What's up, Re? Praise your family and friends. We are back with another Bible study lesson for you. And this week's lesson was given by Sean Pierce. And in his lesson, he is also looking at the life of Joseph. But in his lesson, he's looking at the life of Joseph in a totally different angle and a totally different perspective, an actual important angle and an important perspective. And he's looking at his life before he was born and after he was born and how Joseph dealt with so much dysfunction in his life, even before he was born. I don't want to say too much, but I hope and pray that after you all listen to this message that you allow it to resonate with you and that you allow the points that Sean talks about to truly empower you. Be blessed. Well, thank you, bro, for 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 uh, everyone that shared. Thank you, Jay, for leading us out. Um, that financial um, thing that Jay has going, I did it about a year ago. And I might need to go back and do it again to get even stronger because um, there's some keys in there, some things in there that, that truly will help you uh, be able to get your finances in order. Uh, something that God wants us to do. Another principle, another thing that God has laid in his word that we should all do, uh, and that's to steward over what he's given us, to be good managers. And so uh, I encourage you all, because we all need, no matter if, you're, if you think your finances is to the T, uh, we all need to be better managers and something. So um, I would encourage you to go and, and get in the class with Jay. Uh, I think I'm about to get in too. Um, and so uh, we all should get in and just, you know, tidy up on our finances, become even better managers so that, you know, we can take the little things and be good stored over it. So when he wants to bless us with more, we're ready for it. All right. And so uh, today we're going to get into a word. Um, I really think that this word is for each and every one of us. Um, and it's a word of encouragement. And if you were with us last week, Jay gave us a word of encouragement, um, specifically uh, a word coming from the story of Joseph. And he encouraged us to continue in purpose. And I've been thinking about that word all week. Uh, such a powerful word. Again, thank you, Jay, for giving us that. Um, but as I was thinking about this word, um, I feel like God dropped something in my spirit to, to share about the story of Joseph. That, that we always look at this story and we always think about, you know, from the time that Joseph got the, uh, got the dream, had the dream to the, to the time that uh, his brothers betrayed him, to the time that he got sold, to the time that uh, he was in Potiphar's hands, to the time that he um, got put in jail. To the, we, we look at the progression of, of Joseph's, Joseph's journey from when he had the dreams. Uh, but as I was thinking about this, uh, he, he dropped on my heart that there is something that we always miss out on, that we start there, but there's things before there that Joseph had to deal with that we all have to deal with. And if we never address the things that Joseph had to deal with before, we may miss out and, 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 and carry some things and, and go through some extra things that God never intended for us to go through. And so today we're going to look at some of Joseph's story beforehand and I really just want to paint a picture for you before I give you the points. And as I paint this picture, I just want you to think about Joseph's life before we get to chapter 37, before we get to the chapter where Joseph takes off and having the dreams and getting all the way to chapter 47 um, of him being able to see his brothers and be the person that God fulfilled the, the, the purpose that God had put in the dreams. Before we get there, some things we need to look at. And so uh, I'm going to pray us in and we're going to jump right in. I want to paint this picture for you. What I'm going to ask you to do is really as I'm painting this picture, I want you to, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about your own life 
in ways that this may apply to you. And so if you'll bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, first and foremost, God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment, God. I pray that, that this word, Lord God, will be a word that we all can, can, can eat from, Lord God, that this word will be a word that would all lead us back to you to be able to commune, to be able to get even a deeper understanding for our own lives in which way that you'll allow for us to take this message and live off of it, God. We're just so grateful, so thankful for your word. We're grateful and so thankful for the people that you've allowed to gather here with us on today, God, and we're just asking that you forgive us of our sins, known and unknown, continue to do a work in our heart, transforming us from the inside out, and God, we are grateful, we are thankful, God, I pray that you use me, Lord God, and that you would get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, God, and we ask this all in your name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we look at this story in Joseph, um, it's a scripture that I want to put out first, uh, because this scripture tells us why it's so important that we look at all the pieces from the Old Testament, while we look at what happened before and how it's for us, for our encouragement, for us to live on to today. And so it comes from Romans chapter 15, uh, verse four. This is Paul speaking. This is what he says. He says, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope and overflow with confidence in his, meaning God's purposes and promises that for whatever was written in the earlier times, whatever was written in the New Testament, whatever happened before that was written for us is instruction for us so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope and overflow with confidence in God's promises. And so as we look at this story, starting in chapter 29, I'm not going to read uh, seven chapters to you, but I'm going to paint the picture for you. So as we start in chapter 29, we meet uh, Joseph's father, Jacob. We meet Joseph's father, Jacob, and Jacob is on his way um, to meet his, the love of his life, the one that he says that he loves the most, which is Rachel. We get to um, Laban's house, which is, which is Rachel's father, and Rachel wants, uh, um, um, Joseph wants to marry Rachel. So Laban, her father says, you can marry her, but you have to work for me for seven years. So he works for seven years, and he, he gets married, and, and, and the night when he's about to sleep with Rachel, it's dark in the room, uh, Laban brings his older daughter, Leah, to sleep with uh, Jacob. Jacob does not know that this is Leah. He sleeps with Leah. He wakes up in the morning time, and he sees that this is Leah, and he confronts Laban, and he says, Laban, what are you doing? Like, this is not the one that you told me I was going to marry. And Laban tells him, well, uh, it's custom for, it's not custom for us to marry the, the, the youngest first. It's custom for us to marry the oldest first. And so if you want Rachel, you have to work for me another seven years. So he works for him another, another seven years and he marries Rachel as well. And when he marries the both of them, he starts to have children with Leah because Rachel is barren. She can't have a child at this point. And so Leah starts to have his children. And when she starts to have his children, Rachel is jealous. Rachel is upset. Rachel is mad because she wants to have children with her husband. And so when she gets mad, what she does, she goes to get her maid, her, her concubine, and she gives it to Jacob and says, have children with my maid, with the, with the one that works for me. Have children with her. He has children with the maid. And because he has children with the maid, Leah's maid, Leah gives 
uh, Jacob, her maiden, says, have sex with my maiden and, and have a children with my maid as well. And what I want you to see is this is Joseph's family tree. And this is the dysfunction that is going on before Joseph is even born. That Joseph, before he's even born, is about to experience some dysfunction that he didn't even know that he was going to have to go through. Dysfunction. And may I submit to us that as I continue to paint this picture that maybe we have some dysfunction that we had to go through. That maybe we have been embedded into a family that has dysfunction. And may I submit that all families have some type of dysfunction. But my problem is sometimes this dysfunction is not handled correctly. And so this dysfunction leads into our lives. And now we're living lives of dysfunction. And then it causes us to, to, to not be able to live the life that God has called for us to live. And so Leah gives her maid to Jacob. He says, well, have babies with mine as well. So they're going back and forth for the simple fact of their jealous envy. And they're, they're, they're not accepting the fact that this should even have happened in the first place. This shouldn't even been like this, but the dysfunction continues. And so they have uh, 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 all these children. And after they have all these children, Rachel finally is able to have a son and she births Joseph. So Joseph is birthed from Rachel and they leave Laban and they're on their traveling to where uh, Jacob is taking his family. While they're traveling, Rachel has stolen her father Laban's idols. Now she's an idol worshiper. So Joseph's mother is an idol worshiper. Dysfunction. He's going through dysfunction as a child. She's an idol worshiper. For 20 years, the Bible says, she worshiped idols. She had these idols with them for 20 years. Not only that, they get to the part where actually they have a daughter named Dinah. Dinah is birthed and they go to a place in Canaan and a man named Shisham has a, 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 a seized Dinah and he rapes her. This is Joseph's sister, dysfunction. Joseph's going through all these different things in his life as a child that is totally dysfunction. And let me add this, this was not God's intended plan, but this did go on. He did allow this, but this wasn't his intended plan. This is the choices that they made that God had to work out for his good. He still was faithful. He still did what he wanted, what he needed to do to be faithful. But this is the choices that they made. So this isn't what God intended. This is just what he allowed. And so all this dysfunction. So Dinah is raped by Shisham. Jacob does nothing, her father. He does nothing. He does nothing. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He was afraid of what would happen if he would go and attack the people in Canaan. He was upset. He was, he was scared. But her brothers were upset. And so what they did was Shisha wanted to marry and his father, he wanted to marry Dinah. And so they came and asked uh, uh, um, Jacob and, 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 and his sons, can he marry them? Jacob's son says, sets a plot up for him. They are setting them up for failure. And, and they say, yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all can marry Dinah, but in order to marry her, all your, all your men have to get circumcised. And we all know what circumcision is. Once you get circumcised, you're not back playing like you were the day before. You have to take some rest. You need some time to sit down and recover. So he sets them up. The brothers set them up. They get circumcised. After they get circumcised, they're resting, trying to recover. 
the brothers go and murder all the men that they, that just had got circumcised in revenge of what they did to Dinah. Dysfunction. Joseph is alive at this point. He's seeing all the dysfunction that is going on in his family. All the dysfunction. So I have a question. What dysfunction have you seen? Because my issue is if we never identify what the dysfunction was, we may still be living it, not even realizing that. Not even realize that that's dysfunction. That God doesn't even intend for me to live in that way. What dysfunction have you seen? Have you lived with? And we all have. But if you never identify what that dysfunction is, you may still be living that dysfunction thinking it's normal. You may have learned these things, not realizing that that is dysfunction. That is in a category of dysfunction. And if you never realize that that is a dysfunction, you'll continue to live in it, thinking it's normal. And we're going to see in the text that one of his sons does the exact same thing I'm saying. And so at this point, his sons go and kill and murder all the men. Jacob is afraid of these people. He's afraid that, that, that something's going to happen because his sons just went and did that. So Jacob makes a decision that we all have to make a decision to do when we've been living a life of dysfunction. In chapter 35, we're going to get to a part where Jacob makes a decision, not just for him, not just a revival for the inside of him, not just making a commitment that he's not going to continue to live in a dysfunction that he's been living in, but he makes the commitment also to give this commitment to his family so that they can commit to God as well. So Jacob makes this commitment. And I want to read this because this is very, very important. So uh, Genesis chapter 35, verse one, this is what it says. It says, then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and live there and make an altar there for, uh, to God who appeared to you when you fled from Esau, your brother. Then Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the idols. Then Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, get rid of the idols, the foreign gods that are among you, and ceremonially purify yourselves and change into clothes. Then let us go up and go up, let us get up and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar, an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. Verse four says, so they gave Jacob all the idols and foreign gods who, uh, foreign gods they had in the rings which were in their ears. And Jacob buried them under the oak tree near Shishan. So Jacob does three things that I think is not even a part of what I want to talk about, but this was so important because this is three things that we may have to need, that we need or may have to do if we've been living a life of dysfunction. If we've been carrying things with us that God never intended for us to carry. And if you're writing down, this is the three things that Jacob did. The first thing he did, he said he got rid of the idols. He got rid of whatever he had placed above God. He got rid of the idols. For him to be able to commit back to God, to lay down and, 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 and not continue to live in dysfunction, he did first get rid of the idols he got rid of what he was carrying that was being put above god 
foreign gods, false gods. What idols do we need to get rid of? What, 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 and this is the, this is the thing. Jacob wasn't even firsthand carrying the idols. His wife was. Rachel had the idols. If we go back to chapter 33 or 34, Laban comes to get his idols. When Rachel, Leah, Jacob, and their family left Laban's house, escaped from his house, it says three days later, Laban seen them that they were gone, and he went after them. It says a week later, he caught up to him, and he asked them, where are my idols? And Rachel had them hidden under her. And when he went to go talk to her and, and, and ask her, she said she was on her period and that she could not get up. She was hiding the idols. What idols are you hiding? Because if we don't identify the idols, that may keep us from committing fully to God and his plan for our lives. So the first thing Jacob does, he says, I got rid of the idols. The second thing he said he does, he said, I, I purified myself. He tells them, purify yourself. What does he mean by purify yourself? Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the things that you know you don't need to be living in. Get rid of the sin. Purify yourselves. Get rid of the sin. The third thing he says is he says, change your clothes, which what this was, it, it, it meant to uh, reorient yourself or, or, or change your position, your relationship with God, or to look at God differently. He said to, to change your clothes, to change who you are. Change the position that you see God in. Change the position you're in in your relationship with God. Refocus yourself. Recenter yourself in your relationship with God. See God for who he truly is. Seek God daily to see his face. He's telling them to, to, to change your clothes. And I really think this, and again, this is just not even a part of the dysfunction that I want to talk about, but this was so good because this is three keys that we need to focus on daily. Get rid of the idols. Get rid of what you're putting over God. Because all that is doing is giving you a counterfeit that you think you're going to get from it. You think you're going to get the fulfillment from the idol, but it's just a counterfeit. It's giving you false hope for what you think you can get from it. Purify yourselves. Get rid of the sin. And then he says, change your clothes. Position, reposition yourself. Refocus on who's important. Refocus on what's num what should be number one in your life. What should be number one in all of our lives. Refocus. And so as we continue in chapter 35, it's a partner that I want to talk about because when we look at uh, the end of chapter 35, uh, actually, let's go up a little bit. In the middle of chapter 35, Rachel has, which is Joseph's mother, has a baby, uh, and, and, and she named him Benoni, which means son of sorrow, and why she named him this is because she was near close to death when she had what we would name him Benjamin, which his name was changed from Benoni to Benjamin by Jacob, his father. Uh, Benjamin means son of my right hand, which this is going to be important as well as we talk about this, and so after Benjamin is born, Rachel dies. Rachel dies, which is Joseph's mother. Joseph has seen all this stuff that we've talked about. And then on the way, as a child, his mother dies. He's seen all this dysfunction. 
And now he's having to deal with the death of his mother as a child. But the dysfunction doesn't just stop here. At the end of chapter 35, Reuben, which is the oldest son, goes in and sleeps with his father's concubine. Dysfunction. Just like stuff happens in our family and it comes to the center of the family and everybody got to hear about it. Joseph had to hear about this too. After seeing all the dysfunction that he's seen. That the oldest brother is not doing what the dad was doing before. The dysfunction is continued. Because Reuben never realized that what you're about to go do that you think is normal because you've seen your dad doing it. That's dysfunction. And this is why I said, what dysfunction are you doing? What, what, what is dysfunctional in your life? What have you not ident identified as being dysfunctional? That's dysfunction. It, 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 it falls in the category of being dysfunctional. And so as we continue to look at the story, uh, we get to chapter 37, which is the chapter that we most always uh, start at when we're talking about Joseph. The dysfunction still has not stopped. We get to chapter 37, Joseph is a child, a kid, a young man. And his father favors him. And if we think about why his father would favor him, Joseph came from Rachel, which is the one that, that, that Jacob loved the most. So he's favored Rachel's son, which is Joseph. And because he's shown favoritism and gave him this, this coat, this coat of many colors, now his brothers are angry, upset, insecure because their father is favoring the youngest brother. And so now that leads them to want to kill their younger brother. Dysfunction. Jacob is still dealing with dysfunction. Even though we never talk about all of dysfunction that he went through, He's still dealing with dysfunction, getting ready to, to do all the great things that we've been talking about and studying about and what, what Jordan taught us on Saturday. But Joseph does some things in his life that I want to put in point form that I truly believe that we have to go back and assess in our life and on our journey to make sure that we're not carrying dysfunction into the life that God has for us to live. That we're not carrying something that God never intended for us to carry. That we're not living in something that God never intended for us to live in. That we're not being or living in dysfunction thinking it's normal. And so if you're, if you're writing down, I'm going to give us these four points. Um, and I'm going to talk about them. the first point is this. Dysfunction isn't new to God. Dysfunction isn't new. We can take it back all the way to the beginning. The reason why he flooded the earth was because of dysfunction. Living in dysfunction. If we just stay where we're at in this text, starting at chapter 29, God was still speaking and, and still helping and still trying to for, continue to be faithful, trying to get Jacob to, to really see him and really commit his life to him. 
even while they're being dysfunctional. If we go back to chapter 35, God speaks directly to Jacob when Jacob decides to lay his life down, when he decides to commit his way back to Christ, when he decides to lay the idols down and he decides to truly get back in the will of God, God is speaking to him. God never left. But if we don't get rid of the idols, if we don't uh, realize the dysfunction in our lives, it's not that God's not there, but we won't hear him. It's not that he's not in the midst with it. It's not that he's not trying to help us out and get us to and continue to, 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 to allow the plans that he has for us to, to prosper and to get us to the end where he has for us to live. It's just that you won't even realize that he's in there because you're living in dysfunction. And so dysfunction is not new. It's not new to God. It's all throughout the Old Testament. It's not new to God. But we have to realize that this is dysfunction. That, that this is not normal. What I'm doing, if it's if it doesn't align with what God has said, if it doesn't align with it, this ain't normal. It's dysfunction. Point number two is this. Sin leads to dysfunction. The sin that they were committing was is, is what birthed the dysfunction that they were living in. The decisions that they were making that was leading them to sin is what birthed the dysfunction that they were living in. The sin that they were making decisions to do is what birthed the dysfunction that they had got normal, that they had normalized. So what sin may we be living in that is birthing dysfunction that we are maybe getting to the point that we may be normalizing? Point three, dysfunction, and, and, and I really want you to write this big and bold. Dysfunction does not have to continue with you. You need to write this bold on the top of your paper. Dysfunction does not have to continue with you. If we take the, the time to analyze what is dysfunctional, what is dysfunction in my family life, what is dysfunction in my life? If we make the, 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 the if we take the time and we have the desire to analyze what is dysfunctional, it does not have to continue to you. We can look at Joseph's life. He's seen all the dysfunction. He was living, he was birthed in dysfunction. He was living in dysfunction. He seen it. His brothers was, it, he was right there. He experienced the dysfunction. But the, the part of Joseph's life that we like to preach, he did not live in dysfunction. Even when he got to the point where he was tempted by what would have caused his brothers, Reuben, to fall in, 
what it would cause his dad, Jacob, to fall in, he did not make the choice to live in that dysfunction. When he was tempted by Pharaoh's wife, he did not continue the dysfunction that he saw before. So just as we like to read Joseph's life, you should be encouraged to know that first of all, God doesn't intend for you to live in dysfunction. And secondly, you don't have to continue the dysfunction. You should be encouraged to know that you don't even have to continue in what you already don't even like. You don't have to continue in that. You don't have to continue to, to, to live out the dysfunction that you've experienced. I know you don't have to live in that though. I know you didn't like it. You don't have to live in that. And it should be freeing to you to know that I don't have to live in what maybe I experienced. I don't have to succumb and be the person that maybe I experienced. I don't have to continue to live in the dysfunction that I've seen before or at maybe I've been living in now. Like I don't have to live in that way. And we see that all throughout Joseph's life. Now, the last point that I want to give us is the reason why Joseph didn't live in dysfunction. If you're writing, this is the last point. Change your focus to change the narrative. Change your focus to change the narrative. Joseph did not focus on the dysfunction. We can read all throughout scripture and Jordan gave us this point Joseph understood who he was and who he was with. So he didn't have to succumb to the dysfunction that he's seen before. If we think about Joseph's life, all the times that Joseph got to a spot where he had to sit and deal with different things, his response always, has, always had to do with God. When he seen uh, Pharaoh's wife, he didn't say, I can't do this because Pharaoh will be mad at me. He said, I can't do this because I don't want to sin against God. When he got in front of Pharaoh and Pharaoh said, I heard that you've been telling all these dreams that you're good at being a dream teller. He said, no, it's not me, but it's God that, who can reveal the dreams to us. His focus, his life, when he got in situations, it wasn't focused on him or his past or what was going on. His focus was on God. And when your focus is on God, the narrative can change. But the more you focus on what they didn't do, what they did do, <clears throat> the life that they did not help you to get out of, when your focus is on that and your focus is not on God, you're more likely to succumb to that. I was reading a devotion a long time ago by Rick Warren, and he was talking about how we focus on things and wonder why we do those things. He said, if you focus on something long enough, you're going to want to go ahead and go participate in what you're focusing on. Okay, let me let me let me be practical. If I focus on what I see on Instagram, and if I'm focusing on all these different women, it won't be crazy why I might go DM one. If I'm focusing on the food commercials all day long, and that's all I'm wanting to look at, after a while, I'm gonna make my way to Wendy's. I'm gonna make my way to Burger King. Because whatever you focus on more, 
is what you are going to succumb to at one point. And so as we see in Joseph's life, the reason why Joseph maybe did not continue in the dysfunction is because he wasn't focused on the dysfunction. Joseph wasn't complaining on the dysfunction. Joseph wasn't reliving the dysfunction. Joseph wasn't going back to, to, to blame people for the dysfunction. He understood that it was dysfunction, but he also understood, I don't have to live that way. And if I focus on who gave me the dreams, I'll reach where he wants to take me to fulfill the dreams. So point number four, change the focus and you'll change the narrative. Change who you're focused on and, and you'll change the narrative. If you're focused on that person and, and you're focused on what they're doing, that may be why you gain hate in your heart because of the bad things that they do. If you're focused on changing somebody, that may be why you're always stressed out, frustrated, because you're, you're focused on what you can't even change anyway. Change your focus and you can change the narrative. And so what I hope that this little message did was I hope it encouraged us to know that, listen, we've all lived in some type of dysfunction. That was either something that we've seen or something that we decided to live out and we might not ever even seen it. We just decided that's what we want to do. But my encouragement is to you is to know that you don't have to live in dysfunction. You don't have to be, you don't have to live in that. You don't have to be a dysfunction. You don't have to do that. God never intended for you to do that. God never had a desire for you to live in dysfunction. The God of the universe, the one that created everything in Genesis 1, 2, 3, the one that made all things work out for your good up to this point. He never intended for you to live in dysfunction. Never. I've never read a scripture that says, God said, I, I intend for you to live in this dysfunction. I, I, I've never read that. Because he does not desire for you to live in dysfunction. He desires you to focus on him so that you can gain his perspective. You can see the things in, in the way that he wants you to see them so that he can take you to the places that he's already shown you that he wants to take you so that you can become the person that he wants you to be to live out the dreams that he's giving you. We don't have to live in dysfunction. We don't. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for just this opportunity. God, we thank you just for allowing us to be in this space, Lord God. We thank you for giving us your word, Lord God, that we can go back and study, Lord God, for instruction, for hope, for encouragement, Lord God, that would allow us to see life in a way that you've called for us to live it, Lord God, to allow us to see, Lord God, your love and your grace and your mercy, Lord God, that you've given us, Lord God, to be able to truly live the life that you call for us to live in, God. I just pray, God, that this is a message that would encourage us, Lord God, to know that you don't even desire for us to live in dysfunction, God, that you don't even have it on your heart, Lord God, for us to be dysfunctional, Lord God, but you have it on your heart, Lord God, for us to be whole, be well, Lord God, and be able to truly be on pace to become who you call for us to become, Lord God, and we're just so grateful, God, that you've given us, Lord God, the ability, Lord God, to come to you, Lord God, and bring those things that we may have learned, those things that we may have saw, Lord God, those things that we may have experienced, God, 
that is allowing us to live in dysfunction, oh God, whether that's in our finances, whether that's in our 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 our, our everyday life, oh God, whether it's at the job, oh God, whether it's at home, oh God, whatever it is, God, I just pray, God, that you would just give us the ability, Lord God, to see you for who you are, God, to see you, Lord God, for what you are, Lord God, and to see, Lord God, the love that you have for us, God. God, I ask you, forgive us for the times, Lord God, that we've chosen to live in dysfunction, Lord God. And I just pray that you just continue to clean our hearts, Lord God, purify us, and God, just continue to allow us to make a decision, Lord God, to truly, Lord God, just desire to focus on you, God, desire to look uh, uh, to you, Lord God, to know, Lord God, that you are with us and for us and never against us. God, I just pray over each and every person that may be right here listening, God, that they would know and feel your love, Lord God, knowing, Lord God, that you have so much for them, Lord God, that your word says that you have plans, Lord God, plans to prosper us and never to harm us, plans to give us hope in the future, God. So, God, I just thank you, God, and I just honor you. I glorify your name, God, and I pray, Lord God, that you would get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, I want to 